Lowe's Cafe. Good morning, David. Hey, everybody's back. Yes. Yeah. So these guys were just traveling, road tripping, not even road tripping, plane tripping <laughs> around the world. And uh, they're just back. And they are zombies. I mean, just, they're talking about getting five hours of sleep like that's some kind of win. Why are we doing this podcast? Yeah, anyway? I know. Yeah, it's, it's early yeah, in the morning. Gosh. It's because it's still 10 p.m. where you are from. So yeah. That's, that's, they just got back from Israel, Turkey, uh, Jordan. Were you in yeah. Jordan a little yeah. bit? Yeah, we were. And I got to hear a little bit of what was happening and, and the fun stuff. But today we thought it'd be fun to talk about right before Thanksgiving. What about that experience uh, really impacted you, made you thankful for what we're doing, made you uh, really kind of... Um, understand even more why we're so passionate about this message. And I remember, Bruce, let's go to you first. I remember you saying to me that this trip even more just reminded you how important this message of grace is, how necessary it is. Can you talk to us a bit about that? I don't think it matters what religion it is. And that's one of the things that impressed us is that whether it be Islam uh, whether it be uh, historic Christianity religion, um, whether it be Israeli or Palestinian or Jordanian or Turkish, um, the moralism of sin management is invasive and pervasive. It just uh, seeded through everything that we saw. And we saw specifics that we can talk about. But I guess that this trip... Um, really motivated me, inspired me to work all this much harder for the freedom for which Christ set us free. Mm -hmm. Because there are millions and millions who do not experience that. Now, this is very inspirational uh, to me. I don't think True Face will be the same mm -hmm. after this trip. Mm -hmm. Amen. I think Amen. it's true. Well said, Bruce. All of that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, I think that... Um, as, it, as uh, many, many, many before us have said, it's an incredible experience uh, to be where he was. Many of the sites may not be exact, but that's irrelevant. Uh, what's really amazing is that Jesus was there and that we were able to experience uh, some of it. I, I just my, When I close my eyes, I, I visualize that uh, valley of death just it just near Jericho, just that whole reality of what it was like, that short, small path. Um, so that's one of my huge, huge personal visuals. Uh, what it relates, Bruce, to what you were just saying is that in that same spot, there was a suggested this might be where Jesus was tempted. And uh, that really was deeply affecting to me. Because uh, I kept wondering, and I and I haven't stopped. What what was the motive of Satan behind the obvious? What was the motive of Satan behind the obvious? And and one of the things that caught my attention was that the obvious was that he wanted Jesus to honor him, but but not so obvious was the devious way in which he was willing to do it. So along, Bruce, with what you were just saying. Is there something very devious about the seduction of sin management, no matter what the faith? 
mm-hmm. because it offers it offers the hope of a promise that it cannot fulfill. And that's where I was just it's just everything Satan offered Jesus was the hope of a promise he could not fulfill. And and and, and millions of people are trapped in that. And yet grace offers the hope of a promise that can be fulfilled. Mm. Because we were there. We were there. We were near the place where he died. That that brings the a hope that in it is the promise of grace. That that just that was amazing for me. Hmm. David, I think um, all of us talked about it. You're the first one. No, both of you I heard talk about it first. How quickly um, the church of Jesus Christ became irrelevant hmm. in, in the cultures yeah. of the, in, within less than two lifetimes, yes. w- within less than 100 years. And you watch it now in many places of the world, and you, you'll you'll watch Christianity almost spoken to as an elderly great grandfather that we we accommodate and oh look over there there's even still one remaining icon picture mixed with this religion's icons, and it was also stunning how quickly then as soon as it became like the rest of the world's religions as far as anybody could tell. Um, warring nations and powers could come in and devastate it. And plate over plate, over village, over town, over civilization, over church, over uh, uh, silly-looking relic uh, took the place of something very real in such a short amount of time. And I'm going to talk about it this Sunday, of of what in, in even Acts 2 that was modeled in front of us keeps a vibrant um, faith alive that is distinctively beautiful in the reason Christ came. And uh, I I think this is, when I was reading through it, I went, yeah, this is what we've given our lives to. Amen. And and so it was was at once very depressing uh, to watch that and at once very rearming and very hopeful again. Right, right. Uh, talk about, you had talked about the home of Caiaphas oh. and that oh. moment of seeing where Jesus spent the night before he went before Pilate. That was a deeply moving time, David. Deeply moving. Mm, for all of us. There is in the, in the site of Caiaphas's home a pit. It was his dungeon. And that dungeon is still there. Our Lord Jesus was dropped with a rope tied around him through a hole to the bottom of this dungeon floor, and he spent the night in total darkness. And my wife, Grace, happened to be the reader that day, and she read Psalm 88 mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, in fact, she and I have read it since. <laughs> but it just makes the whole psalm come alive. It's like we are actually hearing the words of Jesus while he was in that dungeon, yeah. spoken in Psalm 88. Yeah. It was... That was an over-the-top spiritual it experience. It caught us all off guard. Oh, we thought, didn't, oh, didn't nice. know we're, that. We're going to Caiaphas' house. Yeah, yeah. And didn't no, see no, that coming. No, that, that, yeah. that one was deeply affecting our souls. Oh, what he went through for us. Just uh, my own personal 
time there on multiple number of spots was just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. And in that spot, I said, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would come into this pit, (laughs) this low place for me. You were actually here that one night for me. It it was very touching, very, very deeply relevant. And and right after his good friend Peter had denied him, uh, he he was, that night, he would have been thinking about Peter uh, and thinking, you know, um, I've got to go to the cross yet. And the next day he was taken to Pilate, pulled out of the dungeon, taken over to Pilate. And you, you just have to think about all the, all the thoughts of his friends, including Peter, who uh, uh, just a few hundred yards away denied him. Oh, man. Uh, wow. That was, that was a deeply touching time. I want to come back to something, John, you were saying. Um, the observation that we had uh, was that when the church started to build structures for God to dwell in, they reduced Christianity to a religion. Hmm. And as if God needed a house. It, it, right. a, and, right. and so therefore, all of the cathedrals and all of these huge, unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful buildings uh, became a place for God to dwell. And, 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 and once you do that, then you reduce Christianity to a religion because those places become temples. Yes. And, and yet, none of that is biblical. None of it. Yeah. And we're still doing it. Yeah. We're still building these incredible, quote, buildings for God. We're, we call them the houses of God. No, no, no. We are that temple of God. That's it. We are the temple of God. And you're so right, John. Within two, literally 80 years, two generations, the temple of God for many became a building. And and that that is where we always will lose grace. Mm. Always, it, it'll it it can't exist in that place. So you guys, I mean, you were in the place where Christianity started, and we have been talking to people all around the world about this class that we've been doing, the certification high trust leadership, which started twenty years ago with the very first things you guys were doing with how to build trust, how to build. Uh, environments of grace where you can actually lead communities into freedom, into not having to be plagued by sin management. And so we've been trying for years to figure out the best way to get this around the world. So you're just back from there, and we have the second installment of this class, and I wanted to talk quickly about, I think that far more people should be taking this certification, although it's a, it's a large investment. But it's so crucial to so many to get this message. And this is, this is available. Bruce, what should people know about it? Well, one thing you remind me of is that when we were in Istanbul, we met with one of the students, Jason Knox. Mm-hmm. And he has been a church planter, a business person in Istanbul, in Turkey, in the Middle East for 30 years. And he's so excited about what this high trust leadership course does for bringing uh, Muslims, Jewish people, uh, others, nominal Christians to Jesus, that his optimism as he met with one of our directors, Doug Houston, uh, over business and how this high trust leadership course goes into business, goes into the church, goes into families and helps mature otherwise 
um, young Christians who are not real mature in the Middle East. It's, it was it was one of the most exciting things to watch these two business guys doing this, and and that's that's the power anywhere in the world of this high trust leadership course because of the truths of the gospel of grace being uh, embedded over a twenty four week period instead of just a a, a one off weekend or something like that. So I think that anybody listening who has any interest in influencing their sphere of influence with these truths of grace should uh, give us a call, give us an email, uh, david at trueface.com, or we will give them a call if they just ask for it because there are all kinds of ways to have little groups, and it's always in a little group, always has been for 20 years, it's always in a little group when we're teaching these truths because they're only experienced in relationship. So a group of three, for instance, um, a little triad of trust could be the most powerful thing that people do. They can do it in family, do it with friends, do it with their um, faith community, um, just all kinds of ways. And and uh, so the, the deadline for registration is coming up soon. I think it's the 20th of December. And I would love to talk to anybody, and so would the rest of us. Um, and just seeing Jason Knox right in the middle of Istanbul in, in, with the background of, of Muslim calls to prayer and his optimism as to how Jesus is moving through that land, um, oh, too exciting. Just great. Well, we want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving. We Amen. hope that yes, it is do. amazing that the weird uncle doesn't uh, <laughs> you know, mess up the time too much and oh, that the turkey's man. not burned or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I'm the weird uncle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't screw uncle. it up, John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just have a, a wonderful, wonderful day. Yeah. And we are thankful for those of you that listen, that carry this message, and that encourage us and are encouraging others uh, with this minority report, which needs to get out more and more. So thank you. Bless you. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving.